Good evening, good evening, good evening. What's going on, good people? Welcome to the Pro Fan Talk. My name is Marcus Thomas. Happy Thursday. We are back at it, man. Good to see everybody in here. Everybody jumping in the chat. Can everybody hear me? Got to make sure I had issues last week. Want to make sure that's not happening. But um, it's been a, uh, a come down week after the... <laughs> I don't want to call it the debacle that was the 76ers, but uh, definitely the disappointment. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, what's up, Chris? Chris and my pops, first ones in the chat. I appreciate it. Hey, mom. Mom's in the chat. So we got a lot of stuff going on. NFL is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, wanted to focus on the Sixers tonight a little bit, but with the new stuff that came out also with all of this mess with um uh Nick Saban him running his mouth uh we're definitely going to talk about that because i believe Nick Saban has opened the door that he cannot close so it'll be interesting to see to hear uh the comments from Prime and and some of the others deep um uh your boy from 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 A&M Ain't he he launching salvos? He ain't playing. He is not playing. He going for the jugular. He was like, <laughs> you gonna talk about me like that? So Jimbo, uh, was that Jimbo Fisher? But uh he came with it. He was bringing the noise. He was like, You can check the receipts. So it'll be it'll be interesting because he, like I said, he's opened up a, a door that he can't close. And I don't think he really realized. The, the ramifications of that, but you know, we'll see what happens. But a lot of good news. Eagles still making moves. Um, Howie Roseman, man, that dude, he, he making it happen. He making it happen. Didn't we talk a couple weeks ago? Was in all the chats, was on social media, it was in the news. Um, Giants couldn't sign James Bradbury. And, uh, of course, everybody in Philadelphia was like, Howie's got to go get him, you know. And I know that that is easier said than done, especially with all the moves that he had already made. The A.J. Brown deal, uh, Kazir White, Hassan Reddick, uh, the draft picks you got to sign, Davis, N'Kobe Dean. Um, well, mostly Davis. N'Kobe Dean is a good one, but. You just paid all of that money to A.J. Brown. So uh, throwing money around like that is not as easy as it sounds. However, Howie has become the guy. He's gotten the, re the, the reputation in the league as a guy that can manipulate that cap and make something happen. I like to call him the Wizard of Philadelphia. If you saw my post uh, this week, I had a video clip from the uh the super bowl parade we were all the alumni were at the art museum and i managed to get a quick uh video clip with me and howie and i reminded him because i had a video clip of me and howie at the alumni game preseason and you know we everybody always talks you know you talk smack on your team we gonna win the super bowl all that kind of stuff and um I had a chance to say to him, as like, you said it in preseason, and now we are here at the parade because of Howie Roseman. And it's uh, 
this is another big piece of the puzzle. This is another uh, solidifying keystone in our defense. Jake, what's good, man? Uh, I hope you are correct. I hope Howie's got a couple more moves that he wants to make. I would love to see it. Um, he is hitting for a very high batting average as of late. So everybody, I, I see all the stuff on social media talking about uh, nobody better ever criticize Howie again. And it's like, well, let's, let's keep it 100. The criticism that he was getting was valid. The criticism he was getting was valid. But that means the praise that he's getting now is well-deserved. He is silencing the critics and he is putting his money where his mouth is. And, and I said this in my post, I, I think I put this out today, that as, as of right now, Howie Roseman is the best <laughs> is the best signing the Eagles have had this offseason because he's making it happen. What's going on, Frank? Jeremiah, what's good, dude? So I tell you what, man, it's um he is he is in the zone. He is in the zone. Although I, I would be curious to see like what what is the shift? What 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 was the catalyst? What was the thing that happened? where we all of a sudden start hitting up all these Alabama athletes. I have no problem with it, but the question is, why didn't they do that years ago? I don't know. I don't know. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Howie is above the fray when he earns it right now. He earned it. Facts. He definitely earned it. When he drafted Rager, he earned criticism. Absolutely. And you know what? I was not uh, down on the drafting of Rager. I thought because a lot of times, and this is what people just throw out the window, but you can't because let's keep it real. They do their homework. There are reasons where they why they sign and draft who they select. Especially when it's the draft board and stuff like that. There are reasons they pick who they pick. Now, if someone on the scouting team was feeling some kind of way and put up some bogus information or something like that, that would not be the first time. Look at look at how Nicobe Dean fell. Nicobe Dean fell because all of a sudden there were rumors, and it was people in the chat that mentioned this uh, when we had our show before the draft. There was people in the chat that mentioned they heard Nicobe Dean had a pec issue. He didn't get surgery and all of that kind of stuff. Somebody started that rumor, and that cost that boy a lot of money. So stuff like that happens all the time. The Rager pick. I didn't think the regular pick was that bad. You know, somebody must have did, done their homework. Somebody must have looked at him. The thing when the regular pick started going south was when uh, was when uh, WIP had the coach on the radio. And then the coach really didn't have many good things to say about him. The coach wasn't even faking it. That's when people started to get worried. Because I've seen that before. And somebody will draft somebody or reach for somebody. And you kind of look like, why are you doing that? And, 
you know, maybe they were right, maybe they were wrong. I don't know. You could find cases on both sides on every team in the league, every one of them. How many people passed on Cooper Cup? How many people passed on Jerry Rice? There's a I gotta find that. Uh I think I posted, I might post it again. Uh there's a great article about all the teams that uh drafted right after, or I'm sorry, drafted right before a Hall of Fame player got picked, which means that team had a chance. There's somebody that had a chance to draft uh Ray Lewis. There's somebody that had a chance to draft Jerry Rice. There's somebody that had a chance to draft uh, Tom Brady, but they didn't. Why? So, uh, I agree, Jeremiah. If he was round three where he should have been, yeah, I agree. He has too much pressure on him. Too much pressure on him. So, but I, I hope, uh, Steve, what's going on, brother? Glad to see you in, man. Um, I'm hope I'm hoping Howie has some more moves. Uh, it is I am of the opinion that uh, somebody's going to take uh, somebody's going to take Jalen Rager's spot in camp. I think we're going to have a lot of a lot of people jockeying for a spot, jockeying to play. Big Moose, what's good? Big Moose, that's what my um Moose is what my sisters call me. That's their nickname for me. But uh, I think uh there's gonna be a uh, a veteran free agent or a rookie in camp that's gonna take um Jalen Rager's spot. I think it's gonna be somebody in camp that's just gonna ball out, and it's gonna be one of them situations where they can't be ignored. Like you gotta like no, you can't get rid of this kid. Charles Marinan, what's going on, dude? Eagle Slayer 95, I see you. What's going on? Um, I remember my rookie year, it was me and Vaughn Hebron. We were both undrafted free agents at the same position. So there was no way that they were going to keep two free agent running backs the same year. And guess what they ended up doing? They kept both of us because we both put it down. What's going on, Derry? We both put it down. And we you gotta you gotta be able to have the opportunity and take advantage of that opportunity uh when you get it. So, and I'm saying all that to say that I think there's gonna be somebody that's gonna step up and you, you like you don't wanna you can't let that go. Can't. And they're gonna have to make a decision. So, but I believe that uh, I think Rager is going to end up going somewhere. And when he's out of the pressure that is Philadelphia, he'll be okay. He'll catch on somewhere and he'll have a couple of decent years. You know, we'll see what happens. So we'll see what happens. Um, Charles, Charles, you hit me. Um, you hit the poll question. The poll question was, is Jonathan Gannon under just as much pressure as Jalen Hurts? Absolutely. The, 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 the optics of it is Jalen Hurts is always going to have more pressure because he's the quarterback, period. Quarterback is always going to get – quarterback has more pressure than the head coach. So um, 
now, especially the way the defense ran last year, because it was a bunch of excuses. We can't do this. We don't have this type of player. So you got to be vanilla. We was running a passive defense. Everybody was complaining. And it was um, sometimes it was just, you know, I still think we had the horses to do some things. We just didn't do it. Now we, we have no excuse on offense and defense. We have zero excuses. We have zero excuses right now. Why we can't do damage. Bradbury on one side, Slay on the other. On our defensive line, Jordan Davis, uh, Brandon Graham is coming back. Hargrave is balling. Fletcher Cox, I don't know what Fletcher Cox is going to be. I don't know what Derek Barnett is going to be. But if Fletcher Cox, if, if Fletcher Cox still wants to play, he's playing for a contract because he's not going to be back next year. If Derek Barnett wants another payday, he's got a ball out. But the thing I like is they got a lot of competition. So there's a good chance that they might be on the sidelines a lot if we got that type of coach that's not afraid to sit somebody because they are not producing, which is one of my criticisms of, of Sirianni in, when it comes to Reagan. So we'll see what happens. I Jeremiah, Slay didn't stink, man. Nah, Slay balled out. You might be thinking of some specific situations, but Slay balled last year. So he's he's been the best uh, defensive back we've had in a couple years. And now we got two, and I think we'll be all right. Um, Jeremiah uh, Bradbury, he didn't go to he didn't he went to the Pro Bowl in, in twenty nineteen, I think. Bradbury, he's it's his seventh year. He went to the Pro Bowl in twenty twenty. He went to the Pro Bowl in twenty twenty. Although when I checked the stats, he had a better year last year, in my opinion. He was he was last year. He started sixteen games. The, his Pro Bowl year, I believe he only started four, either 14 or 15. But last year he started um, 16 games, had four picks, 17 pass defendants, and, and 47 combined tackles. So um, I think Bradbury would be good. Oh, you saying besides this line is okay. I got you. I got you. My bad. Misunderstood you. But we got we got some good uh, – Jordan Davis is going to be a stopper. He's going to be a plug. Jordan Davis is going to be that dude that is going to force teams, if they want to run, he's going to force teams to run outside. Now, the question mark with Jordan Davis is, how many teams are we going to play that are going to commit to the run like that? So is he going to be a one and two down, third down, third and long, he's out? Or is he somebody that's going to be able to um, pull a double team and free up uh, our D tackle or our DN? So we'll see. Big Moose, I hope uh, we still looking for a safety. I want, I want, I, I'm happy that most of our cornerbacks are over uh, six foot now. I, I like seeing that. I don't, I'm, 
I come from an era where we had the small, super fast defensive backs. I played with Mark McMillan, Minnie Mac, played at Alabama, uh, and he was 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and he wasn't but maybe 165, 170. He was a small dude, but he played. He balled out. But I just think that that doesn't uh, – there's too many big wide receivers. There's too many big, fast wide receivers. I couldn't see somebody like Mark McMillan going up against DK Metcalf at 6'3 and 240. It does not – Jeremiah, what you mean that the defensive end is a little concerning? I think we got depth, and I think it's going to force some people to play or they're going to be riding the pine. I don't mind that. I like the competition we got coming. On top of all of the names that you know, uh, I believe Hassan Reddick can go both. He can go both outside linebacker, and he can stick his hand in the dirt. You know BG's going to be there. Um, BG is a question mark because he's coming off that Achilles. So uh, I know he said he's ready, but we'll see because that can turn on a dime, especially with them Achilles. What was the – who's the guy that uh, just got hurt? Um doing his Instagram live. So John, what's good, man? What do you expect from Miles Sanders this season? Crazy that he didn't score any touchdowns. You know what? I don't for 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 what they did with Sanders last year, I thought he played relatively well. He got to be able to stay healthy. That's his biggest knock on him. He has to stay healthy. But I thought when they put him in the backfield regularly, um, he just, he would break the long ones, but he would break the long ones on our side of the 50. And the long ones would be, you know, 30, 40 yards, but he wasn't taking them to the house. I know he can. And I believe that if he would have, uh, Ran the ball, obviously, you know, we beat the dead horse now, but if Sirianni would have ran the ball, Tariq Cohen, thank you. If if Sirianni would have ran the ball earlier in the season and not just running the ball a lot, just a balanced attack, he would have been a much better performer. I think he would have been in a groove a lot better. People don't uh, people don't appreciate that. What uh, uh, they don't appreciate what that means when you get in the groove and you in the zone. Um, it's very difficult to come out or get on the field and you cold, and not just not because you're not playing and not giving you the ball. You got to get a rhythm, and it's not per game. It's during the season. It's during the season. You got to ramp it up. You want to play as a running back. You want to get at least at least 10 carries every game, at least. So you can say you've been you've been involved. If you're getting like two and three carries a game, it feels like you're not involved in the game as a running back. And that's what you don't like. Because Miles Sanders was taken off the field. Gainwell goes in for passing situations and stuff like that. I'm like, if you're going to lose them or if you're going to use them, use them. I thought that um um what was the other running back jordan 
Jordan and uh, Jordan should have been starting. What was his last name? Jordan. What was Jordan's last name? Or was that his last name? I can't remember. What was the other running back with uh, Miles Sanders that they should have been starting, but they didn't start? Now that's going to bug me. Calcaterra. Yo, Calcaterra. I watched some film on that kid. I like that kid. Jordan Howard. Thank you. Damn, Jake. I couldn't. Woo. You know, man, uh, Jordan Howard should have been starting. And I thought Jordan Howard should have pounded him up the middle because Jordan Howard is a strong north-south runner. And once Jordan Howard would soften him up, you put Miles Sanders to get to the second level and run away from everybody because he does have that type of speed and he can do it. So they just, in my opinion, they didn't use him right. They didn't use any, any other running backs the right way. Boston Scott should have been our screen running back, but we don't run screens. All we run is that stupid wide receiver screen to the left. I hate that play. Everybody named Mama knows it's coming. But Calcaterra, the only thing that scares me about him is he left football. He was balling, and he can move. He's a big target that can move. But I'm like, dude, why did you leave football? Like what I'm trying to understand the thought process. And now you want to come back, what, three, four years later. So we'll see how that turns out. I hope he can still play because the, the film I saw on him, the boy can move and he is a big target. And I like having big targets. I still say and like everybody was down on J jaw. And I don't think that they, I don't just, I just think they didn't use J jaw. Right. J jaw is somebody I would have told every time, you get in the game. If we throw you the ball, you better go up like you dunking with two hands. That's what they should have told JJ. Every time somebody throws you the ball, you jump to get it because nobody can out jump you. At six foot three, you have the advantage. Use it. That's right. He had concussions. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah, I, I I can't argue with you, but at least at least he's trying to do something on special teams. At least he can block. At least you can do that. So, you know, it is what it is, man. So, I think, man, you know, snap this year at defensive end with this. He might. It all depends on what they do. Show sure It all depends on how they work it. Now, the one thing that I am very excited to see is Miami and the, and, and the birds going at it in camp. Always a good time when you can go to somebody else's camp. I remember when I played, we had a chance to go up. Uh, most of y'all probably too young for this, but uh, Rich Kotite had came from the Jets. So he had all the relationships up in New York. So we went up, stayed in New York uh, for a weekend, and we scrimmaged the Jets all week. So, and it's always good when you go up against somebody else because you get in the monotony of training camp, you're looking at the same people, all of that kind of stuff. So you feel good when the preseason game comes up or you could go practice against somebody else. You can tee off why you think everybody is guaranteed to be some fights and all of that kind of stuff. Um, 
happens happens every time. But that's what they want to see. You got some kid that's going to be up there that's going to start a fight because he ain't no punk and he ain't trying to get punk in front of everybody and on film. So they're going to fight and there's going to be some people that start fights on purpose for no reason. But just to say he got some fire and he wanted to start a fight. That's how it goes. But you will be able to see um, how he stack up against somebody else. I want to see if they play. I want to see how our DBs look against Tyreek Hill and Waddle. I want to see what our pass rush looks against another running quarterback that's, that can run just as well as Jalen Hurts. Can they get back there and get pressure on? They're not going to be putting sacks in and stuff like that, but can you get your hands on? So that's the stuff you want to see when you can fight somebody else. Because when you get, when you, when you in camp just amongst your teammates, you get a good sense of who everybody is. You've seen them day after day after day after day after day. So you kind of lick your chops for a chance to go against somebody else. Um, funny story. Uh, when we were scrimmaging the Jets, uh, Ronnie Lott at that time was with the Jets. And most of you all probably, y'all didn't see Ronnie Lott play. Go to YouTube, look up Ronnie Lott. That joker used to light people up. But I remember we was in uh, 11 on 11. I got the ball, made it to the second level. So I kind of take off on him, and I see Ronnie Locke coming, and he could have just cleaned my clock. But he just kind of ran past me, hit me on the stomach, let me know he could have blew me up, but I'm glad he didn't. So, you know, that feeling you get when you go down that first big hill of a roller coaster? Yeah, that's what I felt when I saw Ronnie Locke coming. (laughs) Don't get it twisted. But I'm happy to see. uh, I'm looking forward to see uh, what's going on. Uh, in camp, Stephen Kelly. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Uh, Ronnie Lott, Andre Waters, Steve Atwater. Yeah, they couldn't play today. They couldn't play in today's game. They wouldn't They wouldn't allow it. They wouldn't allow it. Most of the people they would hit would be out for two weeks with concussion protocol. You already know. It's a different breed now, man. <laughs> Definitely a different breed. So, but a good, uh, uh, one question I have is, and this will be all on Sirianni because Sirianni's a very, he, even though he's a New York dude and he's, you know, he's got the fiery Italian attitude, Chuck Cecil. Oh my God, dude, stop it. Knocking folks through walls and whatnot. Um, Sirianni is, is, I want to see what he does on this away and how he's going to handle the team. Meaning um, if they go to Miami, I don't know where the Dolphins training camp is, but if it's in, in that area, are they going to keep everybody tight? Can he keep everybody inside? A lot of distractions down there, everything that comes with that. So it'll be interesting. That's something that most people wouldn't even think of, but looking at the things that a head coach has to do, that's something I'm interested in because it seems like, um, The Eagles have bought into Sirianni. So I'm really looking forward to him opening it up, um, putting some pressure on some people so we can get the best out of them or 
we're going to get the best person at that position on the field, which is what we need. And I don't think we necessarily had that uh, in some situations last year. Just my opinion. So a lot of stuff coming on, man. A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. But it's interesting. And um, and then the stuff that dropped today, and it's like, yo, what's up, Mal? My twin is in the house. One of the twin powers activate. Form of a YouTube host. Better recognize. Um, did y'all see this mess that Nick Saban Saban Nick Saban has started? I don't know where he was. I saw the I saw the video clip. I don't know if he was at a booster meeting or whatever. But he stopped, he started snitching on Deion Sanders and the dude from Texas AM. And it's like, what are you talking about? Sure enough, I like Nick too. But dude, how are you gonna be dry snitching on, on people because they had a better draft class than you? And he bitching and moaning about the NIL. And it's like everybody in the same boat. But don't forget, there's a reason why Alabama gets all the, the, the top recruits. It ain't always because they got the best football team. Rest assured. I went to a, a 1AA school. I went to Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky was considered a 1AA school. So small schools and one double A schools wasn't known for giving out money and boosters and all of that kind of stuff. Just didn't happen. You you felt funny if you you asked for a full meal plan. But Nick Saban start talking about, you know, Prime is giving uh a million dollars to players to go to Jackson State and uh, Texas A&M is buying players and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's kind of the pot calling the kettle black, ain't it? And now everybody's ripping on Nick Saban because it's like, you know, there's just, there's more, there's some things that Alabama can do that other schools can't do. If any, if any of y'all in the chat, if you have a friend a, a brother that went to uh, a Division One school, a big Division One school. I'm talking about like a Michigan or an Ohio State or Notre Dame or Alabama or Clemson or big schools, big known schools, SC. If you got a friend like that, ask that friend to tell you uh, some recruiting stories. Ask that friend to tell you some things that happened when they went on their recruiting trip. You talking about people could listen. I know when I went, I went and visited Toledo, University of Toledo. Ain't nothing going on in Toledo. The best thing about Toledo is, is close to Detroit. So they got something to do. But the guy that was hosting me, the first thing we was doing was we had to get out so we can go to a party and this, that, and the other. Show sure enough, ask your little cousin about the recruiting trip at Ohio State. Ask him to tell you some stories. 
And the point I'm trying to make is, uh, Steve, they, bam. There you go, Steve. You know that you know where I'm going with this. And there's a lot of other things that happen in them recruiting trips that I'm not going to get into. <laughs> so I don't get this channel shut down. But I will say this, though. Um, let's go old school for a minute. Go, if anybody, check out um, check out the movie with Denzel Washington. He got game. Check out that movie. There's a there's a scene when Jesus Shuttlesworth goes on a recruiting trip, and the stuff that happens in that scene uh, is kind of Hollywood, but it's kind of not. And when you when you Jeremiah, if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Now you you put that in the real world at a place like Alabama, at a place like Florida State, at a place like Miami, the big schools. So they do whatever they can to get that recruit. And people like Nick Saban know what, what, what goes on, but they turn their heads when they need to. They turn their heads when they need to. So when the players and the team captain is uh, taking the taking the recruits to the parties. They ain't going to the parties with just another with a bunch of other dudes. Let me say it like that. Let's keep it one hundred. So when Saban brings out stuff like that, it's plenty of people that probably got receipts on him. Plenty of people. I can't remember what his name was. This was a long time ago. But it was a it was a college coach, basketball coach, that got uh the team got suspended NCAA violations because he had a recruit and the kid didn't have much money, came from a poor background. So the coach took the kid out for a pizza and they busted the coach because he bought the kid a pizza. Stuff like that. To me, that stuff like that is infuriating. And you go down to Alabama and you go down to Miami. And you see what them boosters do for those people. I had one of my best friends from high school went to Ohio State. And you hear stories. Your boosters, if you go to a big school, your boosters will take care of you. You can figure out what that means. So for Nick Saban to be snitching on other, play, uh, on other teams, because they're following the rules, NILs are legal now. And for him to be bitching and moaning about it, he looks like a big old hypocrite. Big old hypocrite. Rick Pitino, he, yeah, at Kentucky? Are you serious? You already know. You already know, dude. I went to Eastern Kentucky. I'm 30 minutes from Lexington. So I know what the, the mania. At my bookstore at EKU, they had Kentucky gear in the city so i trust me uk basketball is on another level bro another level and you get all of these coaches like him used to get used to having it his own way for so long the minute is not going his way he throws a tantrum and now he has opened up a door that he cannot close so I'm very interested to hear what uh, Deion Sanders is going to say tomorrow. Uh, 
the, the coach from, from Texas A&M been ripping him a new one. And they used to, he used to coach under Saban. Said he ain't want to answer his calls. He said, we're done. We're done. And, all, and I totally agree. Nick Saban is crying. Crying about it because somebody beat you to the punch. SMU, when they got the death penalty, absolutely right. Absolutely right. When you have that much money invested on the backs of these kids going to school and the hypocrisy of the NCAA trying to say we were uh, we were not professionals. And anybody that can make a profit off of their name and likeness, they banned them. I remember, uh, what was the kid from Colorado? The punt returner from Colorado that was the U.S. skier, Jeremy Bloom. They told him, you either play football or you do your Olympic thing. You can't do both because he was getting donations to support his Olympic dreams while he was in school. and the NCAA said that's against that's against NCAA rules. He couldn't do it. So he had to quit football. It's like, come on, man. All the money that y'all make off. With, and, and here's the thing where it, it was done for, for me as far as I was concerned. When EA Sports came out with the NCAA football games, it was the, it was the college version of, of Madden. When they came out, with the NCAA games, and yo, those games were fire. Those games were good and made a lot of money. And you knew when you played Alabama, when you played Notre Dame, if there was a player with a specific number, you knew who that dude was. You knew who it was. Same thing, they did it the same thing. Uh, NCAA basketball was the same way. And all of the money that the NCAA made off these kids going to school. When I was putting it down in Eastern Kentucky and you walk in the bookstore and all you see is jerseys with the number 40 on it, that's my name and likeness. And if I wasn't doing what I was doing on the field, wouldn't nobody buy the jersey? That's easy to figure out. But the NCAA want to keep keep the plantation going because they want to say we're amateurs. And now they're in a situation and they just it, it's even the playing field it had to it had to go this long and it had to get to congress before it had to change they wouldn't change it for us it had to go to that if degree so i say they get whatever they get i hope they blow the ncaa up i hope the ncaa goes out of existence and i see nothing wrong with these players getting what they can get cuz they'll be the first ones when uh, um, up in Penn State, when Talaferro goes down and breaks his neck and has to learn to walk again, then what? That's all great that he was a popular player, but you got to remember, uh, Adam Talaferro was a freshman when that happened. He was starting as a freshman. So all the stuff he had to go through and and. Yes, he made the best out of a bad situation and 
he's somebody that can tell his story about how he overcame. The bad part of that is how many kids out there don't get that story, don't have a happy ending. Everybody doesn't end up like the kid from Michigan who uh, who blew his Achilles in the workout and still got drafted. Or uh, what was his name? Sidney Jones that we got a couple years ago that blew his Achilles out and we still drafted him. That's the exception to the rule. There's too many kids that their whole dream is over. Over. So the NCAA, Nick Saban, they, they get exactly what they get. Exactly what they get. And guess what? Not for nothing, I will be rooting for Texas A&M to put it on Alabama this year. I hope that, I hope they beat the brakes off of Alabama. I ain't a Texas A&M fan, nor am I an Alabama fan. But just because of this, I hope they beat the brakes off of Nick Saban. And all them other recruits go back to Texas A&M next year. Crying like you a baby. Come on, man. Snitching. <laughs> Try snitching on folks. What's up with that? <laughs> so. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, John, the NCAA don't care, don't care, but care about nothing, man. NCAA was making money and they were trying to do everything they can to protect that money. They didn't give a damn about them athletes. They used to tell us the, oh, they getting room and board and all of that kind of stuff. Even when they had that argument about uh, some of the women's sports. And if, and if the women's sports are putting it down like that, you can't tell me that for a minute, UConn, UConn women's team, Tennessee's women basketball team were bringing more people to their games than anybody else. If that's the situation, then absolutely. You pay the women what they deserve, period. But the situation has got to be uh, warranted. And in most situations, not all, but most situations, the football program or at some schools, the basketball program is paying for a whole lot of other stuff. A lot of football and basketball programs are the reason why you have, you know, a judo program or a wrestling team or a track team or some of the stuff, uh, some of the other teams that have scholarship players but don't attract that type of money or revenue to the school. So, I mean, it's a slippery slope, but guess what? They done kicked the door open, and if they wasn't doing it so corruptly, for all of these years, they wouldn't have this problem. But they are, and they're gonna have to. They made the bed, so they're gonna have to lie in it. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I would have had somebody from Eastern Kentucky slip me five grand or something like that. We come on, man. We wasn't seeing no parts of that. And then you, I, I would see my friend, a couple of my friends at a big school, where it's like, "What you doing? Well, you stay up, you stay up, go to summer school." You lift weights and then they get you a job with a booster where they pay you, you know, 15 bucks an hour for an eight hour day. But you only work for two hours. They would do stuff like that. Now, mind you, I went to school in the 90s. So if you was in college making 15 dollars an hour, you was making a whole lot of money. And then you didn't even have to, you know, 
it's a million stories. Million stories. I'm sure somebody done written a book that talks about stuff like that. But like I said, check out He Got Game and check out Jesus Shuttleworth on his uh on his recruiting visit. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. But we'll see, man. We'll see. We'll see what Prime got to say tomorrow. I'm very interested to hear his take on it. I hope he lights up into it. Ain't going to be no more uh, Aflac commercials for them two. <laughs> They're going to start showing it. If Aflac was smart, they would start showing the commercials that they have already filmed. If they filmed any new ones, start showing them like them two together because that's you can't beat that type of uh, publicity right now. I would, have them, I would have them commercials all over everywhere right now. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. This dude was firing bombs a day. And this is, you could tell, if you watch the press conference, you could tell how upset he was because you know how you get so mad, you can't even talk straight. Like your voice start quivering. It almost sound like you're ready to cry. Like this dude was ready to explode. And I think he was like that because he has a, well, he had a personal relationship with Saban. So that's why stuff like that hurts so much. He got a he coached under Saban. So he's seen some of the things that everybody else hasn't seen. So it'll be interesting. Out of the box podcast network. Okay, out of the box. I hope y'all beat the brakes off of them jokers next year. Honest to God, I do. I want to see Nick Saban just be. I want him. I want to be. I want him to be humble, like uh, um, like your boy in Miami was humble. Just kicked. Just had no business being the head coach, and and got his behind up out of there. In the worst possible way. Like, I just, uh, when people think they're above the game, uh, drives me nuts. Drives me nuts, man. So, so now, um, for my last little segment here, <laughs> now that we've all come down from uh, the disappointment that was the 76ers, um, now we're dealing with all these trade rumors. Now, me personally, I, I like Tyrese Maxey because I like having uh, a young player because he's still going to be a young player a year from now. He's going to be a young player next year and the year after that. He's only 21, so he got four more years until, uh, until he's 25, so you get – you got three or four more years. I don't know when his birthday is, but you got at least three more years before this kid even turns 25. And if he stays healthy, the type of player he is, he is a star in the making. So I would hope, I would hope that Daryl Morey uh, can find a deal that does not include him. However, I know how this business works. And he is number one trade bait. So we'll see what happens. I hope they can find a way to keep him. Um, I know Dame Lillard has been 
popping up in the chats as a target. Somebody like him, would I trade Maxi for? Yeah. You can't, I mean, facts is facts. Dame Lillard is a much better player than Maxi. I think Maxi will be there one day, but Dame Lillard, yeah, that's something you got to do. Uh, Chris, I agree with you. If you want to continue to grow, but it seems like Daryl Morey is trying to create another big three some way, shape, or form. He's looking for two more players that can complement Embiid. So we got to get a shooter. We got to get somebody who can be what James Harden used to be. James Harden is not a uh, elite scorer anymore. James Harden uh, is a seasoned vet that still got some in the tank. That's what James Harden is now, based on his performance this year. James Harden is no longer a superstar. James Harden is just another uh, veteran player on a team. He is not somebody who will give you 30 points, what, every 10 games now? He just can't do it. I don't know if his legs weren't there. Uh, maybe he'll surprise us all next year and, you know, get on the keto diet, come back in super shape, and just blow everybody's socks off. I don't see that happening. I think he is what he is. We got, in my opinion, we've got one, maybe two more years of Joel Embiid at the current level he's at right now. That's what I think. You got one or two more years of Joel Embiid, so we got to make the most of it. So I think um, they they definitely have to find somebody that can complement Embiid, and they definitely have to find somebody that can back up Embiid because when Embiid steps off the court, it's a crap show, man. It is god awful garbage. Donovan Mitchell, dude, you one step ahead of me, John. You one step ahead of me, bro. Donovan Mitchell is in the talks too. Now, I'll admit, um, my grandson Chris, y'all see Chris Hernandez. He's he's my basketball reference because I'm not. I watch basketball. I don't follow basketball like I do football. Football, I'm invested. I know the sport. I used to play basketball, but I'm not a basketball player. You know what I'm saying? Just like telling somebody, yeah, I know how to play spades, but I'm not a spades player. There's a difference. So from the outside looking in, um, we got to get somebody, we got to get some scores that can that can complement what we got right now. We got to get somebody that can come in and go toe-to-toe with a Jimmy Butler. Because now, uh, getting rid of Jimmy Butler looks like the dumbest move the Sixers could have made. But at that time, didn't nobody know that. Wasn't nobody thinking like that. Wasn't nobody thinking like that. Ed says, we, we're seeing that the center position is obsolete. Teams are building with athletic big man that can drive, roll to the rim, and stay on the three. Absolutely. Every big, every big man in the league is shooting them threes. That daggone Dirk Nowitzki started that stuff, man. 
Nobody plays on the nobody nobody dominates the paint no more. But heck, when you got a when you got a seven foot center with a touch, what you gonna tell him? You can't say no. The problem is when Embiid is on, he's on. He is fire. But when he ain't, when he ain't dropping the mid-range. When he ain't hitting them threes, it is frustrating to watch. I'm old school. I I grew up on Kareem and Elijah Wan and really Shaq for that matter. David Robinson. Like I grew up with a, with a true center. Folks was, was dunking. When, when Shaq came in the league, I, I encourage everybody, go on YouTube, and check out Shaq's highlights from his rookie year. And for somebody to be that big and move that fast and jump and dunk that hard was ridiculous. Straight up ridiculous. And then you had Dwight Howard. And it, it was just, back then it was still, you could still have athletic big men, but they still dominated the paint. Now, everybody trying to be a seven-foot Seth Curry. So, and yes, I meant to say Seth because, you know, ain't nobody shooting like that. Do we keep Rivers as our coach? Uh, no. I do not. Doc Rivers is a prime example of what happens when you have a coach with good and or bad players. Doc Rivers is the NBA version of Barry Switzer. Y'all remember when Barry Switzer, uh, when they fired Jimmy Johnson and they gave the job, uh, Jimmy gave the job to Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer had all that success at Oklahoma. Him and Jimmy John, uh, him and Jerry Jones played together in college. So they had that relationship. Plus he had been super successful at, uh, at Oklahoma. So he brought in Barry Switzer, and Barry Switzer took him to the Super Bowl. Everybody likes to say that he had the team, and it wasn't hard. I'm like, listen, you win the Super Bowl, you win the Super Bowl, and you are partly responsible for that as a head coach. But after that year, it didn't take too long for him to get out of there. And then you realize what he was. He was a coach. He was a competent coach. But his success or failure is based on the players that he has. His players bring him up, not the other, not the other way around. His players bring him up. He doesn't bring he doesn't make his team better. And Doc Rivers is not making the Sixers better. I, th- I thought it was hilarious. I don't know if y'all saw that. There was a kid at the game. Um, I think it was the game six. And he was right behind the bench <laughs> and Doc was holding the clip, the clipboard and he took a picture. And he was like, yo, Doc ain't, ain't drawing up no plays, dog. <laughs> Doc wasn't drawing up no plays. But you see that you see that dude in Boston. Now, that's a coach that's bringing his team up. He's making his guys better. So. You know. We'll see what happens. I, I would. I don't like 
I don't like wishing somebody was gone unless we have a better solution. So all y'all basketball people, if we get rid of Doc, who we getting? D'Antoni? Who we getting? We got to, before I would want to pull that trigger, we got to have a, what's plan B? Who's coming in? And whoever we getting, are they going to do a better job? Can they do it? What's their history? That's the questions we got to ask, man. So I would pay Mark Jackson. I like Mark Jackson's coaching style. I wouldn't mind that. I agree. He did get screwed in Golden State. We need that type of player that'll jump in somebody's behind. Doc Rivers ain't that dude. So I don't um I saw some things today with um with your boy Thibel. So we'll see. And the funny <laughs> this picture of Thibel. That's what I imagine I look like when I'm watching Thibel. Because I'm like, Ugh. like I expect more out of. I'm like, Ugh. I'm just like, meh. Like he, like to me, Thibel should just be, I don't know. I just think he should be better than he is, or, or better that he's playing. Better than he is playing. I, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing him in, or paying attention to him in college. So I don't know what type of college player he was, but. Um, for his size, um, he too soft for me. I need somebody that's going to bring, bring the noise a little bit. So we'll see what's going to happen. But we got, um, we have a two to three year window. The Sixers do. That's what I think. That's my opinion. We have a two to three year window. At our current pace. And I'm basing that solely on what I think Embiid is going to do the next two years. Embiid got to stay healthy. I, I'm happy that it's not just uh, his knees and stuff like that. He getting he getting that off the wall, bad luck type stuff. You get you get a you catch an elbow in the face, you know, somebody chop your thumb, like stuff like that. It, you can't. I don't know. Sam Cassell? I wouldn't mind Sam Cassell. He can't be worse than Doc Rivers. So, but we got a two, three window, two, two to three year window to keep this thing going. And I hope we can get some at least people look at Philadelphia now as a legitimate destination. Meaning they got some players and they've been in the playoffs the last couple years. So you got vets and free agents looking like, can I bring something to the table that gets them over the top? Gets them to the Eastern Conference. Fine. Bible's defense is overrated. Yeah, I, I I don't disagree with you, bro. Do not disagree. He's a good player, but I just think we need somebody better and I think we can get somebody better. So, uh, let's hope they put the deal together to get, uh, Dame Lillard, that you know, maybe we can trade James Harden for Damian Lillard. <laughs> well, if we were trading the Harden that was in Houston, that doesn't, you know, is not the Harden that's in Philadelphia, like Embiid says. That's another thing. Uh, Embiid needs to shut up. 
like, dude, don't say nothing no more. Don't make no more comments. Only thing I need you to do is get in the gym. Uh, keep doing them leg extensions so you can strengthen your knees. Uh, and don't say nothing about what how somebody else is playing. That's how we got in this situation in the first place. So just keep it to yourself and go on about your business, man. So we'll see what's going to happen. We got some time left. Good, good time to be. Good time to be a Philadelphia fan. We three for four. We three for four right now. Eagles are on the rise. Sixers are on the rise. The Phillies are starting to get their bats heated up, but we can't seem to be consistent. Um, and then, of course, the poor, poor Flyers. Maybe one day I can talk about them, but right now, nah. They just hot garbage. So, but we'll see, man. But all right, man, I got to get out of here. I'm going to get something to eat. I cooked all this barbecue. I'm going to go eat some leftovers because I'm hungry. So do me a favor. Smash that like button. Let me know you were here. And please, please, please join my Facebook fan page at ProFan Perspective. I'm trying to make this thing grow. I'm just a tick under 500. I want to get that 500 so I can start working my way up to 1,000. All right? So do me a favor. Join my Facebook fan page. And tell somebody else to join my Facebook fan page, even if they don't, you know, like sports. Tell them to join it anyways. I don't care. But I'm about to get out of here, man. And I will holler at y'all later. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Be safe. And I will see you here next week. Peace.